on the last episode of Dice Funk. If you weren't a unicorn, you would be dead. Oh, then my poison immunity must still be intact. You read the message that was written in Gnome to leave the crystals behind and just get what they came for. There's no more time to like sell tickets and get anyone else out. Like We just need to convert the last couple ships and then we're leaving. The Tiger Mountains have a, a covering of ash and smoke. Um, and they were obscuring the shoreline. Violet drove into it and came across a glitter gold ship, and they were now in aggressive negotiations, which is to say they're pointing harpoons at each other. Murder him. Murder the gnome. Uh, 15? Yep. That's a hit? Yep. Drop, you are the first murderer of Dice Funk Season 2. I thought Violet was because she killed that robot. Do robots count? Tell your people to give up or you're going to die. I have a horn through you, and I am a unicorn. I just wish it that we were friends like we used to be. Remember when he showed up in the village? So Johnny's not here this week, which means uh, we're going to have a very special episode. Violet's going to get addicted to pills, and then she's going to be so excited. <laughs> okay. I didn't know that. I, I was I was looking forward to this episode because, let's be honest, there's a lot of impressionable people who listen to this show, and they need to learn important life, life lessons. Like, for example, if you come across a unicorn, don't feed them mysterious crystals from another plane. Or else he might become a druggie and ruin prom for everyone. A druggie. I'm actually like genuinely bummed you didn't fucking ruin any of those constitution saving throws. Because I would have... I, I am too. Yeah. I, I love just having a character who will just do shit and then cause things to break when the bad roll happens. But no. Yeah, you would have went on a magical mystery tour. <laughs> Well, actually, you were in a funeral, so you would have gone on a well, quite a d- upsetting journey for everyone involved. But uh, here we are instead. Yeah, her she would have seen her spirit animal, which would have been just a horn and nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But the the structure that we're going for this week is we're gonna have two vignettes. Um, one is the backstory of Violet coming to the material plane, and one is Elias and Vinny meeting. Lauren wanted to do the voice of G- Generica. That's fine. <laughs> um, when she gets here, we'll do that. Is there anything else that you guys wanted to address? I'm going to take this so seriously, Austin. Like, you're not even uh-huh. going to believe. This, this, oh this, 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 is your, this is your backstory, you know? This is, this I is know. A... It's going to be the worst. <laughs> so good. It's going to be so, so important and good. I mean... Elias's right. uh, backstory is so boring because it mostly involves him, you know, showing up, meeting mediocre Jeff, being like, "Hey, you're kind of okay," and then other things happen. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I was thinking we'd do Violet's first, um, because Leon is uh impatient. Oh, and... I don't care. I I mean, we have don't we have to wait for Lauren? I mean, it's your it's your show. I'm just he I, I'm just here. <laughs> I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to keep you happy. You're like our prized peacock. And no, I know. Like, I am. I am definitely that. 
if you get all, if you get all stressed out, all your feathers will fall out, and it'll be sad. Yeah, I know. We should all just we all should have been just birds for this campaign. We should all be just bird persons. That would have been bird quest. That would have been perfect. Bird quest. I have a I have a plan like for next uh, campaign. I'm going to be playing a very very tiny duck that talks. Um, so I'm I mean, just you're, you're not. Yeah, I am actually. I'm just letting you know that like way in advance. Like if I decide if I decide to do the season three, uh, I I will be a tiny duck. Uh, I mean, I'm telling you now, you're not. You're not going to be a tiny no, duck. No, I am. No, I'm pretty sure. I, I have to. I have to put my foot down. It's impossible. No, no. I can't. I I've already thought up like a backstory. Basically, what's going uh-huh. what's going on is um. Yeah. Uh, my my duck uh, was just like a regular duck with like a duck intelligence that lived in a pond, but mm-hmm. um, an evil sorcerer wanted <laughs> treasure that was at the bottom of the pond that only the ducks like kind of knew was there but didn't know what it was because they're fucking ducks. So the sorcerer uh, was like gave my duck like basically human level average intelligence so it could speak. And tell about the location of the treasure in the pond. But once my duck became, like, sapient, he was like, fuck this, and just left. So the sorcerer was like, I got more than I bargained for. Uh, and, <laughs> and then my duck uh, found a family. Um, and But unfortunately, the family was kidnapped by pirates. Like, right before the <laughs> beginning of whatever the next season will be. And so, although my duck uh, will be, um, you know going on a quest whatever it is and like in the back of his mind he's looking for his uh pirate kidnapped family you need to stop making deals with magical entities I, I, is that just your go-to they're great i mean they they make like I, you know it's great but that there's like a universe where you're wondering how something can happen and then you can just <laughs> always say a wizard did it i mean it's pretty it's pretty convenient is what i'm saying mm-hmm I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say that like my duck was like experimented in like an evil lab to get him like a new larynx, and that's why it can speak. I mean, that's not cool. That's gross. I want something cute. But what about radiation and rapid onset mutation? I mean, that's yeah. all right. All right, that's yeah. just an idea. You like you, you Chernobyl. You're Chernobyl into uh, a smart duck. You know that. Okay. We can't do another season of animal people. Like this is the animal people season. If no. we do it again, we're gonna get a reputation. My duck, my duck <laughs> is named Bill Webb, and uh, you're all just gonna have to deal with it. He's very, he's very. He, the thing is, think about Bill Webb is that like you would think he'd be like really cute and stuff, and he is because he's very, very tiny duck. But he just talks like a dude. It, it, that it's going to be very off-putting. Uh, I, I only concede this is if I could use a nickname Dicknet to him. Uh, on the side, uh, that that seems like an appropriate nickname. I will allow it. Okay, hold on. There's so much going on here. Yeah. First of all, uh, no, vetoed. <laughs> Just see. no, we'll no, Leon. Listen to me right now. Look yeah. into my internet eyes, my yeah. e eyes. Uh-huh. You cannot be a duck. You cannot. <laughs> see, see, you say that now. I say it always. And and, uh, and you can you can definitely do have final final say on this, but I want you to know. That at the end of the season, where we do another "Who is your favorite character?" poll, and Violet is once again and like twice in a row, I have the most popular character. You're gonna be thinking maybe I should just let Leon do what he does. I, I, I actually, I actually don't think that Violet will be the best character. Uh, I'm not saying best. Oh, well, I'm not saying best. 
I'm saying I'm saying the audience will like her the most. Oh no no no! I I, I also contend I think we have a challenger now. Mm. Uh, drop on on just the pure basis of his muscles. That's true. I'm sorry, but I feel like I'm gonna narrowly win this one again. But uh, we'll see. Uh-huh. I mean, I mean, Violet might die next week, and then <laughs> there's not there's nothing to be done. I have all kinds of plans to put her in like unnecessary danger. We should probably do um um Skitch's thing now because we we we've just been talking for twenty minutes. Yeah, I'm gonna be real. I think this might be the most entertaining part of the episode, no matter what. Uh, I, I like the unnecessary danger idea. Actually, that's that's quite nice. Yeah, I want to cartwheel down a mountain. And horses definitely can't do that. So, I mean, you're playing your character in a specific way, and I respect that. But yeah. don't, please, don't just kill your character for funsies. I'm not gonna say Violet decides she's had enough. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna say Violet does something reckless, and then every, and like every episode. Oh my God, Leon, playing with you is like trying to disarm a bomb for an hour every week. <laughs> this, this is the keep talking and nobody explodes of D&D podcasts. Yeah. yeah, no no duck. I'm sorry. I This this season has gotten away from me. I was telling Sketchy before we started, like all of the things I name dropped as inspirations have kind of mutated. And yeah. now we've just been left with like a moist undertale. Okay. It's just like animal people from hell to breakfast, and I did not mean for that, but it's here, and we have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. So, what about a giant duck, like one that's just human sized? Uh, that would work in this season. I don't know about next season, though. We'll It'd see. be a variant of the Kenku, um, you know. Yeah. Look, Austin, if you don't let me do the duck, I'm gonna pick something way worse. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> I'll just keep vetoing. I have more than one. It's not a it's not a single nuke option. It's I fine. can just keep vetoing. We'll see. All right. Anyway, do your thing. I'm just gonna sit here. <laughs> Why can't you just be a cool Ronaldo again? Why do you have to do? Oh, I'm not gonna just make Ronaldo too. Like, oh, I'm a guy who's like basically the new Ronaldo. That's not mm-hmm. no. I don't mean exactly. I just mean the idea of just making a normal character that a person would make in a game. That that ship has flown. Okay, so <laughs> very very apt given the campaign. So uh, nicely done. Yeah. Uh, it, uh, yeah. Full marks on that one. Uh, I've been Thank keeping you. track of your score here. <laughs> I'm in hell. This is hell. <laughs> Do it. Do your thing. God. <laughs> Everyone's gonna love that. Watch. It's all anyone's gonna talk about. Also, I wanted to make a, a quick form reference here. I, I'm appreciating the Lorelei Go thread already. Um, all, all, all the Pokemon based on the characters. It's a very <laughs> subtle references all around. Yes, it, there's a thread in the forums right now where uh, they're posting pictures of Pokemon and labeling them Dice Funk characters. Uh, like Lavinia is a Weeping Bell, I think. Yep. Which was fantastic. Drop was a Machoke. Yep. Captain Stab Daddy is like a Pidgeot or something. Yeah. It's very good. Very good times. Mm-hmm. 12 minutes in and not a lick of content. This is the way I like my podcasts. Well, well, you mentioned that both of the slides of content are contingent on Vinny, at least formally, but we can do a setup for one of them. So, Yeah, let's set, let's set up the first scene. So Elias is from Mitherndane in the Feywild. Uh, quick recap for everyone. The main game takes place yep. on the Prime Material Plane, which is kind of just the D&D world. You know, Forgotten Realms ostensibly, but it's really just the Dice Funk setting because nothing, there's no Neverwinter or Baldur's Gate or anything. It's just our fake made-up thing. Um, but there are two parallel worlds, uh, two parallel Material Planes, the Feywild and the Shadowfell. 
Um, the Shadowfell used to be called the Veil of Shadows. It's also the Upside Down from Stranger Things, if you watch that. Um, the other one is the Feywild, which is where Elias and Violet are from. Elias in particular is where we're going to start mm-hmm. sometime before the events of Season 2. I think you said a couple weeks. Right. So yeah, you're you're in Mithrandain, which is actually a canon D&D city, which you name-dropped, which... So, sorry, uh, Gygax and friends. I guess we're just gonna <laughs> we're just gonna take some liberties with that one. I mean, I mean, let's be honest though. Uh, these things mm-hmm. are meant to be malleable to whatever the campaign needs are. You know, unless you want to play like a regular module strictly. And I don't, I forgot about the Gygaxian module <laughs> in which a unicorn um, stabs a gnome on an airship. You know. <laughs> I think that's a Monty Cook joint. Oh shit, you're right. My my. <laughs> so you're in Methendane. You've said before that your father works at the university. Your mother works at a jewelry shop. The library, the main library yeah. within Methendane, is where uh, Derta works. Yeah. So I mean, you can set this up a little bit if you want, but basically, where we're gonna begin is uh, right before Elias comes to the Prime Material Plane, a portal appears and he grabs his right. shit and goes. My my main interests are. Does he say anything to anyone? What does he say? What does he do? Why does he grab so many weapons? Also, what's his book mm-hmm. selection process like? Are those from his house? Are those from the library? Because of his various responsibilities at the library, uh, he effectively had sort of a small studio apartment-ish sort of sized place that he would sleep at when he would where he would rest at between. Uh, his shifts and other sort of responsibilities. And up in there are a few things. Um, one of them, of course, are the various weapons that he had used during the combat training that he had done throughout through his youth and early uh, late adolescence, effectively. And in addition to that are the books he sort of personally would take up there to read, partially because if he was caught reading the books kind of out in the open in the library itself, it would draw unusual attention to him for people because as i mentioned before in the current state of the myth of mithrandain only people who are sort of chosen to become art mages are really allowed to seriously study magic and while it's not like people can't read about magic and otherwise elias has sort of developed a reputation over decades as sort of being too interested in magic for someone who's not supposed to learn magic within the culture itself so that's so what he would be doing inside of the library itself on a particularly slow day of activity is tending things and then he would notice a flash of light outside of a window in an alley in a sort of an alleyway between two buildings and notice what looks to be sort of a swirling hazy sort of disc up against a wall of some building and that is effectively what he realizes is one of these uh, transient temporal rifts that can spontaneously appear between the, the Feywild and the Material Plane. So my imagination of this, and I don't know if this is supported by anything we've said, I have pictured it just like popping up in the middle of the air and like everyone seeing it and Elias being like, later fools, <laughs> smell, smell you later and just jumping through it. But this is like only he even noticed it. Right, the idea was that he notices it at first, realizes as soon as other people spy it, they're going to be they're going to get the guards to block it off and keep anyone from getting in or out mm. through it. 
So as soon as he sees it, he basically just sort of jumps to the conclusion, I got to go through it. This is my chance. And hence, there were no witnesses, which is why he had to face up a message back. Well, the only witnesses that would have been, there would have been maybe one or two guards that might have just spotted him as he is going through the portal. But whether or not they recognized who he was as he's going through the portal is up for debate. But people might have been able to put two and two together as if they went up to where his room was, like his the weapons that were stored in there would be gone. The books that were sort of piled up near where he uh, he would have his transit evenings is gone as well. It's just sort of all packed up and just gone. There was a note that he left behind, and it was more or less a note that he had written. Sort of, he wrote he wrote a note, not expecting to actually leave it, but sort of imagining, okay, if I had if I had to leave you know, the material plane, what would I tell my parents? And so he did leave a note kind of in his space that his parents would likely have found after he left, indicating where he has gone and why. I picture you have a desk just laden with weapons and books. You put a bag on one end and just sweep it all in there with your arm. Like there was no like careful selection or did you have like a bug out bag? It was basically more of the supplies that he would take, mainly the weapons, were kind of already well kept and kind of stored neatly. So that was easy to grab. The books were basically kind of shoved in like a bug out bag. And then once those were strapped together, he didn't even say, oh, peace out, y'all, to anyone because there's no one to say that to ran as fast as he could and just sort of jumped through this portal, assuming that it was going to take him to the material plane. So I, I guess he got lucky. It could have taken him anywhere. It could have just dropped him right in hell. <laughs> it, oh, yeah. I, I mean, basically, there was kind of two things this is contingent on. One is the fact that he didn't even know if this was actually going to go to the material plane. He just read about this through his studies, that these sort of temporal rifts would happen occasionally um, because... The other factor I've mentioned back in uh, earlier creation was that uh, the there are two things that Elias was basically either sco- uh, told, uh, recommended against doing, or really um, encouraged to not really care that much about. One was studying magic deeply, and the other one was going to the material plane, um, because for some reason there was uh, things related to the spell plague and otherwise there has been sort of a deeper rift formed between the Feywild and the material plane, and there was effectively no comment no talk no real strong policy about people traveling between the planes more casually as he might have had maybe a century ago so i guess the 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 dnd event the spell plague actually happened in our universe i know you mentioned that before i just do keep think i think it's funny when you right. keep name dropping things that people have opinions about because <laughs> now we have to contend with that Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, nobody seemed to have huge problems with other, you know, D and D conventions that I'm sort of massaging a little bit with my character. But yeah, f- for listeners, like every time an edition of D and D comes out, they have to come up with an explanation of like why things changed, and from fourth to fifth, like the spell plague is why things are different. Uh, it doesn't really matter; just there was a magical yeah. cataclysm, and that's why some things are different now. Which kind of helps explain why mm-hmm. Elias's family is such a butt about magic. Did you want to name and spell your parents real quick on on stream? Yeah, Elias's father is Derta, D A E R T A, and his mother is Sildiel, which is C Y L D I E L. 
cool Christmas. So, uh, like I said, so basically, by after grabbing basically the books and the weapons that he felt like he would need, he jumps through this portal, not sure what the hell is going to drop him off, and the the first shock he gets is he gets to the other, other side of this portal, and he's not in some lush, populous, material plane city, as he assumed it would have been. Um, he lands effectively in what looks to be the ruins of some great city in the middle of some forest. Mm-hmm. And he's like taken completely aback. He's like, that's what a human city looks like? I didn't realize it'd be this filthy. So, it, yeah, you're in like a, some ruins in the Ragged Wood, which we have established in the current timeline is this enormous like continent sized forest and the thing about these right. material planes are like they are they're parallel worlds in the sense that they mirror each other a lot they're like echoes so they're not exactly mm-hmm. but yet like where there's a forest in one there would be a forest in the other so right. yeah so i guess mithrin dane and the ragged wood are coexistent in a way right. in, our, in our universe right mithrin dane and the forest that surrounds it are coexistent in some capacity however they're not exactly yeah. the same and one of the first things Elias does is pulls out the map that he had, that he had procured about this, looks at it, tries to figure out where he would be relative. It's like, hmm, I, well, this should actually be the middle of some body of water where I'm standing. Uh, huh. Unless water is different in the material plane as well, though I didn't read anything about that. So he jumped through a portal expecting to land in the ocean? Well, you know, he jumps to the portal, looks at them, and like, huh, it should be in water right now, but this doesn't feel like water. Foreshadowing from his perspective. Uh, so, Elias lands in the Ragged Wood, and he just starts wandering around based on his maps, not really making any uh, progress. Right. After a bit, he hears a voice uh, shouting from deeper in the forest. It's a woman's voice, and it's like, help me, help me! Uh, huh. Oh, wait, wait. Oh, that means somebody's in trouble! Uh. Uh, uh, he sort of scrambles, puts his uh, uh, puts the map away, and sort of like draws out his his sword and just advances towards the person that's you know screaming for help. Elias follows the sound of the voice, which seems to be coming from the other side of a wall of trees and bushes. So he crashes through mm-hmm. that and finds himself in a glade of yellow flowers. He's looking around in this glade, in this open area, and he doesn't see anyone. And uh. After spinning around a couple times looking for the source of the voice, a figure drops from the canopy of the trees above and lands in front of him. And it is a completely new sight to Elias. It is a bird man uh, who's armed with a knife and once again makes the mocking voice in one that does not fit his body at all. And he says, help me, help me. (laughs) I, I knew that people on this side were... Weird sounding, but I wasn't expecting this. Uh, two more figures drop from the canopy and land behind Elias. He turns around and sees two more birdmen, also armed with knives. And they're like, they're, they're laughing sinisterly. He sort of like glances about, like holding uh, his uh, rapier with as much confidence as he can muster, despite being surrounded and possibly catching on to the fact that maybe, maybe these people don't actually sound like that they might that might not be the actual <laughs> voice he's not completely sure yet though one of the birdmen says to the the one who's making that voice i can't, i can't believe that worked that was so easy steve these elves are dumb I, i'm sorry did you I, i'm not just a mere elf you know 
the Birdman who was addressed as Steve tells you to uh, drop your weapons. Why should I even trust you? <laughs> you shouldn't. <laughs> We're robbing you. You know, Skitch, this is this, this is a flashback, so like you automatically win, or else the space time continuum would <laughs> be ripped apart. So I wouldn't yeah, worry yeah. too much. <laughs> I, I know, but I'm just I'm playing up the character as you. I'm playing up the character as you. It's just like dick. you already, t- yeah, you can already tell how Leon's planning on playing his. Oh my god. Uh, at least it's sort of robbing me. Uh, what do I possess that you'd want to take? I don't know. I guess we're going to find out, huh? Sort of just glance it like he sort of hold, keeps on holding his rapier kind of aloft as probably the three advance on him, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're closing on you in a triangle formation. How high do the flowers go up around him? Yeah, they're just like ankle height. It's just a, a, a beautiful field of yellow flowers, which will look familiar to him uh, in, in a few weeks. Hmm. Which, which uh, this is where he would gain the knowledge that would allow him to track uh, something later. Right. Elias moves to put the rapier back in the sheath and tries to recall in over his mind kind of what should what he should do while being mugged <laughs> in the what what Job would have done while being mugged, and remembers immediately that Job provides no good information about this since he's never. <laughs> Because he's more likely to have done the done some sort of robbing himself than to be one who was robbed from. What's the mugging protocol? Yes. It's like a bear, right? You just drop dead, feign death. Right. Cover your head and <laughs> pretend to be dead. Um right. but no, as they close on they close in on you, knives ready, greed for your presumed gold uh, gleaming in their eyes, you hear uh and see two figures crash into the clearing to your rescue one is a short heavyset woman uh with greenish skin with a whip and the other is uh just an average totally boring vanilla middle of the road human nothing special no outstanding features to speak of Uh, elias glances over and thinks that 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 one must be a human hmm i didn't know any better he like internally thinking if I didn't know any better, his name probably is Jeff, from what I can tell. <laughs> Hold on, roll to see if you can tell that he's Jeff. I think that's an insight check. <laughs> insight check? You want to roll an insight yeah, check? Yeah, insight here, check okay? to check his Jeffness. <laughs> I will. I will gladly roll insight check in this. Re- <laughs> uh, <okay. laughs> you think his name is Jeremy? Four. Oh, damn it. No, you cannot tell that he is Jeff. Ah, oh, I was gonna hope for an investigation to like deduce that he was a Jeff, but. That's okay. All right, Lauren, are you want to take this? Or... Hi! It looks like you're being mugged! <laughs> what are you, like, what are you, the clippy? Hey, it looks like you're being mugged. Do you need some help? I have some templates. You want some help getting mugged? I'll clippy all the time. <laughs> uh, Steve, Steve says, damn, daddy's girl's here. Let's beat it. Yeah, you better run. <laughs> Steve and his boys run off. You know that this is their hunting grounds and that, uh, you know, they they rob people who come through as well as hunt game. Oh, Steve. Oh, Steve. Do you guys remember Steve? No. Yep. Lauren made a check while we were going through the woods to, uh, to identify anything. Yeah, if anything was particularly weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Specifically weird. 
Yeah, anything specific about weirdness. And the, what I gave her was that this was Steve's hunting ground and she hasn't seen hide nor hair of Steve, which is Steve's weird. Steve's kind of a jerk, it sounds like, though. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. He's probably dead now. I mean, his hunting grounds were the place where the, the strangle vines and the tree men of death were. He's Steve too hard. <laughs> He's Steve too close to the sun. <laughs> that's terrible. That's just, that's perfect, but terrible. <laughs> so the uh, the average mediocre vanilla ass white boy comes over and offers a hand to Elias and he says, "Hi, I'm I'm Jeff." Mediocre Jeff. Vinny, you can't just say that in front of people. I'm a deputy. I can, Jeff, because that's what your name is. Like Elias just sort of glances at the hand for a good long like ten seconds. <laughs> Um, You're supposed to shake it. Oh, right. That's uh, He reaches out and grabs uh, Jeff's forearm right underneath the elbow. His left hand uh, rests on Jeff's hand, and then he shakes it, uh, Jeff's entire arm briefly before releasing. It's like, right, right. I uh, I remembered reading about this. That's weird. And then there's a 20-minute fish-out-of-water montage as they teach Elias how to shake hands and eat food <laughs> and not shit himself in public because this is an 80s comedy. <laughs> I, I would say the shaking hands for 20 minutes would be a sufficient montage, yes. <laughs> what the fuck is that movie where the, the Conan the Barbarian dude comes into our world, like the Portal of Time? What is that movie? Encino Man? No, it's not Encino Man. Uh, no. It doesn't matter. He has a ferret. Um... You guys uh, introduce each other. Is there anything you wanted to mark your your special first meeting with? Hi, I'm Vinny. You're so tall. We're friends now. <laughs> I uh, I don't think that's how friends work. At least not back home. But uh, I I I am Elias, and it's Vinny. That's your name. Uh, well, my name's Lavinia, but nobody likes to say it because it's long and annoying. So everyone just calls me Vinny. Well, Lavinia is a it's a sufficiently succinct word to use. You'd think, but... I don't see anything unnecessarily long about it. I don't know. People seem to have a problem with it. Damn, shade. <laughs> with any other characters, just yelling, hi, we're friends now, would be like a lazy shortcut, but it's actually totally in Vinny's character to just yell that at a stranger. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, if if anything, you know, uh, uh, Jeff's name over there might be uh, a bit too much brevity for its own good. You know, a, a bit more complexity would be much desired in order to provide a more interesting visage around a person. Oh, but everybody mm. knows he's not that interesting. That's why he's mediocre, Jeff. I'm right here, guys. We know, Jeff. We see you. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I'm not here to deny the plainness of Sir Jeff here, but... I, I don't think speaking about it in his presence is particularly uh, polite. Oh, we're cool. Jeff and I are cool. We know. He knows. I'm used to it. Uh, he seems a bit more than cool. He appears at least lukewarm. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> honestly, I could do a whole episode of just Jeff-based shenanigans, but I think uh, <laughs> you guys eventually make your way back to Spira. I like to think along the way, there's like a... A really unsubtle shot in this HBO drama of you guys like walking through underbrush and like Jeff swats at a bee and just keeps going. Oh, geez, not the bees. Uh, and then you guys make your way back to town, which is actually surprisingly vibrant and full of life. There's a lot of people like look walking around excitingly. There's food and drink. Uh, a lot of people are wearing jewelry. It's like a pretty cool happening place right now. 
Does it look like there's a party happening? It looks like there's a party always happening. Yeah, party 24-7. Yeah, this is a this is a forest cult, essentially. And I think this might be a good time to address. Someone made up, <laughs> someone pointed out that Mayor Moreno and Sheriff Keenan being in a relationship is like conflict of interest. Hey guys, they're cult leaders? <laughs> like, the, like uh, I think this is what TV tropes would call an alternate character interpretation. Like, they are abusing their power and leveraging their influence to take the money and valuables of, like, members of their cult. Like, I think they're good people. But, like, that's, you know, this isn't, like, <laughs> it's still a kind of a fucked up situation, right? Just because we like the people doesn't mean that everything they do is right. Does that make sense? Yes. Mm-hmm. I was expecting to be in a, a, a larger city of sorts. I thought that large, sprawling, inefficient cities were common over here, but... Not on this island. Or, well, it's an island now. <laughs> but it used to not be an island. And there were definitely more cities then. Well, well, well can, here, let me uh, just show you. And Alicia sort of pulls out his map and shows it Lavinia, and it shows, you know continent being you know notably larger and not overly flooded and yeah. well the world map looks like probably what it was i don't know however many years ago or even months ago yeah i think the map is probably like hundreds of years old and yeah. and that one lorelei kind of looks like like the philippines or something it's like yeah like a hundred islands or more and of varying mm -hmm. sizes and in varying distances from each other and now it's like kind of like three Hawaii's maybe it's not it's a mm. pretty drastic change in landmass did did you did you did you draw this map because like no offense it's pretty bad I, I mean this is the finest map of the material plane from the the Mithridane library oh uh, it, well it's... they were wrong they uh I think <laughs> I've seen old maps that kind of used to look like this but Oh boy, are you off? Oh, I I see. That's okay. We'll fix it. We'll fix it. We'll do it together. I'm really good at I'm really good at drawing. <laughs> Not to toot my own horn. Rolls up his uh map and sort of sews it away. Pulls out his journal from his backpack and sort of just sort of writes a note to himself. I might have I might have gotten myself into a lot more trouble than I expected. We'll update with further details. <laughs> Hey, so do you want to meet my dads? Um, dads? My fathers. I have two of them, and they are birds, and they're also in charge. Uh, but they're really cool. Do you want to meet them? I bet they can help you with whatever you were doing in the forest. You don't look like a bird, though. Yeah, I'm adopted. Oh, oh, of course. But th thanks, thanks for pointing for it out. It yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Very cool. I wish I was a bird, but hey, you know, whatever. It's cool. It's fine. <laughs> also, I would think Elias isn't at all surprised to see the way Vinny looks because dryads are native to the Feywild, so like it didn't even occur to him to like question her. Until up until she said her parents were birds. I'm like, wait, right? You don't look like a bird. But that that might explain like their instant connection though, because like I, I assume everyone Vinny runs into like has yeah. a like an off-putting reaction, and he kind of just accepted it. So I bet that was nice. Right, right, exactly. The the Jeff Jeff was more confusing than Lavinia. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. You guys see Jeff walk off just kind of like in a really average way. Bye, Jeff. <laughs> Not really anything interesting to the way he departs this scene, and he just says bye. I'll see you later.
Yeah, okay, Jeff. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't know whether Jeff liked me or not. Oh, Jeff's always like that. I would say he probably doesn't feel strongly either way. Uh, you never tell with persons like that. Mediocre. Well, no, no, no. Just those that are too outstanding or too underwhelming. You could understand where they stand, but ones that are mediocre, you just can't tell either way it seems oh god okay this joke is is done <laughs> put it in the can really poor jeff alone <laughs> yeah um so you guys go to the mayor's office where um Vinny is going to introduce her new friend to her dads and when she gets there um before she walks in she can see them talking in kind of like a serious low way like having serious business talks and uh you know they greet you and they they say hi like politely but then they say like uh, Vinny, we need to uh, we need to talk. Can uh, can we see you alone for a bit? Um, yes, but wouldn't that be rude to my guest that I found in the woods who doesn't know where to go or what to do? What type of material are these walls made out of? <laughs> I thought we were always supposed to be welcoming a guest, Dad. We we are. I mean, we we welcomed him. Well, listen, we'll go and we'll get we'll go to. We'll go to Great Jeff's place. We'll get some food. We'll have a big family dinner. We just need to talk to you real quick. If you could just wait outside, and then we'll all we'll get some. I think Great Jeff is making his lasagna. That shit is tight. Oh, that is good. Hey, Elias, Elias, Elias. Yes, yes. Would you be okay with waiting outside while I talk to my dads? Oh, oh, no, no problem at all. I guess it's a secret. Ah. Uh. I, I I understand secrets. That's not a problem but, at all. But don't move, because I'll be back. But, but I need to move to get outside. Well, after you get outside, like, don't wander off. Oh, oh, that's okay. I, I, I understood. So Elias goes outside and stands, like, against a wall outside of the mayor's office while Vinny goes in. And uh, the mayor says, so Vinny, we, we've been talking, and I think we have an idea about what to do about the water. Oh, yeah? What is it? <sighs> I don't think you're going to like it. And uh, that like that scene fades out as we know where that conversation is going to Elias, who is standing outside the mayor's office and just kind of people watching. As we know, Spira is basically half Kenku, half human. But as you're standing there, one one person who looks really out of place walks over to you. I don't know if you know what this creature is. It's uh, a vaguely, it's it's humanoid, bipedal, uh, has kind of a reddish, purplish skin, and um, he's wearing like very very nice clothes. Just looks like someone of authority, uh, not at all like one of these uh, people who lives in the forest. Um, could I try just a raw intelligence check to, to try to see if I can discern what species he might be? Or uh... mm-hmm. uh, all right, uh, let's. 12 12 yeah you know this is a tiefling oh that's basically all you know is that it's a tiefling tiefling or tiefling are we gonna go tiefling or tiefling with our pronunciation here oh dear Uh-oh. uh which one do you think sounds cooler i like tiefling <laughs> i like tiefling uh okay we can call him a tiefling that makes me think like teeth like how toddlers say teeth right it's, it's the whole ie and i think the e is what's pronounced okay on that as opposed to i but that's anyway oh, yeah my. so it's a tiefling then and he walks over to you like hesitantly at first, but then he walks over to you and reaches out his hand and says, Professor Chance, Caldew University, how are you? 
Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm doing fine, uh, Professor. And he sort of takes his hand properly and shakes it. I am uh, uh, Elias Valabin. It is uh, a pleasure to uh, a pleasure to meet you. Last name, huh? That's fancy. We don't get many of those around here. Oh, I'm, I'm not from around here. <laughs> mm, clearly. I've, I'm just passing through. Uh, I'm visiting a lot of the villages in here looking for, let's say, uh, fire sales on uh, valuables and artifacts. You know, the world's coming to an end. It's not a bad time to get some stuff. I hear... Well, uh, 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 can you run that last part by me? Uh, coming to an end? Uh, I, 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 I... Last... I knew there was nothing like that happening over in the material plane. I mean, he, he explains to you that the water is rising and such. There's, there's got to be an explanation for it. I mean, water just doesn't spontaneously spontaneously just floods out things without a source or, or the such, uh, unless it's different here than it is back at home. That's always a possibility. I've mm. never considered that. I got to tell you, environmental science is not my area of expertise. I'm more into planar magic. Uh, portals, dimensions, stuff like that. I hear you uh, recently, I don't know, appeared, popped in. Oh, well, huh, that word must be get fast around here. Um, I, I, I'm uh, visiting from uh, the Feywild. I mean, it's, I mean, you could probably tell by my appearance that uh, I'm not just um, a standard elf or human or other thing, uh, species for that matter, so... Uh, yes, yes. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, I didn't just hear about it. I've been tracking the rift that I think you just came through. Uh, like I said, planar magic portals, kind of my area of expertise. Uh, it's a shame I didn't get there in time. Just jumping through a portal into the Feywild would have been a great way to escape the water. I, I would assume so. Although by the time I, uh, I went through, there were already guards moving to surround the portal, so you probably would have been apprehended immediately. And, well, the guards are apparently very thorough, from my understanding. Mm. So, uh, so what do you plan to do now? That is a good question. I, I thought I was just going to travel around, get to understand the cities, the culture, maybe update some of the tomes from the library. Tomes, you say? Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, I, I wouldn't want to come over to this plane without some knowledge of how things operate around here. Uh, do you mind if I take a look? As I mean, I'm a professor, so tomes is kind of my, uh, you know, hobby. Well, I, I suppose so. And uh, Elias, you know, slings his backpack over, open, uh, over and opens it up. And Professor Chance probably can spy the spine of some of the books and might even notice some of the names of the books in there. As Elias leaps through and uh, hefts out one uh, that is a little ornate in design, and the front cover uh, states um, an accurate accounting uh, of the civilians of the material plane, mm -hmm. a concise record, and sort of Elias sort of presents it to Doctor Chance. This is uh, what I was reading over a recently before I came over. Mm -hmm. he doesn't seem particularly interested in that one and he like kind of thumbs through a couple of the ones he goes right past job doesn't seem interested goes right past mm -hmm. uh all of the the magic stuff doesn't seem yeah he doesn't seem to particularly care but he does find kind of a small book which um 
It's just uh, seems to be a treatise on just like boring political stuff. Uh, and he mm. he pulls it out and thumbs through it and says, uh, "Oh, very very interesting, very interesting." Uh, hmm. Do you see this uh, see this passage here? Elise uh, sort of leans over and takes a glance at the passage. Yeah, it's it seems like there's um, some written there's some stuff written in the book in a language you cannot read. Like most of the book is in abyssal. I'm gonna assume no. No, most of the book, the book, like, you've, you've thumbed through it. It's, like, super boring. And most of right, it right. is in, like, elf or... Common or... Just, like, you know, scholarly languages. But there's some that's in another language. I mean, you could make an intelligence check. I already just gave you. It's not abyssal. And he says, I've, I've, I've been looking for something like this. Uh, if you've been looking for it, uh, I would be curious at least to know what it uh, effectively says if you're able to discern it, Professor. It's a little bit of a... Uh, tiefling business mm. yeah i wonder what hmm. i'm not sure it's not worth much to you how how, would you, how about a couple how about a couple gold pieces i'll take this book off your hands i don't know how much that is actually worth around here i i didn't even bother to have any money on hand i um uh i uh, how many gold pieces were you going to go with uh he <laughs> he looks down at his purse and it seems awfully light and he says uh i wasn't really expecting this um i'm gonna be honest um i was mainly just following the portal i mean how much is this book worth to you well i mean all these books are uh, worth a decent amount at least in terms of the information but it seems like a lot of the information i have is not even accurate so i guess it's worth is really contingent on it being useful it's this would be very useful to me tell let me let me tell you let me tell you what there's no amount of money i could give you that would be worth anything in the world the way it is now but i do have something that you might need uh what is what is that and he reaches into his coat pocket and pulls out a golden ticket for the glitter gold nine and he says this is worth more than all the money in this village, I. It, it looks like a uh, a ticket for a, a vessel. Yep, it's the only way out of this place. What do you say? This is just an old. This is an old shitty book. You don't need it. You can't even read half of it. It's a pretty good deal. Well, I I, I suppose if I if I need to get off this island, this would be the easiest way to do so. Um, I, I I'll accept. All right. You guys trade ticket for book, and he is not particularly subtle about his glee, and he more or less takes off, like walk running away from you. I wonder if that was a. I wonder if that was a good trade. Mm-hmm. This was the ticket. He just sort of shrugs before setting it away, and then kind of organizing his books again, all while waiting for Vinny to deal with Burb Dads. <laughs> Burbs. Yeah, and after a couple minutes, Vinny and her dads emerge from the mayor's office, and uh, Sheriff K, who you've just met but already have something something of a rapport with, goes, "All right, breadstick time. Breadsticks for everybody on Great Jeff." Yeah. Yeah, Vinny actually seems kind of down. It seems like whatever their conversation was was not uh, particularly great, but the family is putting on brave faces. So you wait. So. How is it both breads and sticks at the same time? Oh boy, are you in for a treat. 
<laughs> all right as you walk off there's another funny fish out of water scene of Vinny explaining breadsticks to Elias. <laughs> all right so just as mithrandane uh is a mirror to the ragged wood there is another area of lorelei that mirrors another area of the feywild let's start in the feywild in an area which has a name but which violet only refers to as unicornocopia <laughs> It's because it's what it's called. <laughs> it's because what it, it's what it's called. That's what she calls it. No, no one no, it else calls is. it that. No, it definitely is. Uh, Electro Diglett Niter and Mankey. I'm just gonna say that now so I can copy and paste it throughout this entire segment. It's absolutely called Unicornocopia. In Violet's head. No, no one else yeah. calls it that. <laughs> look, look. I'm sorry, but I'm putting my cannon foot down here. Uh, we, we've established that Violet's family is practically like nobility. So, I mean, all unicorns are <laughs> right. So what I'm trying to say is like, they named it their little area that, okay. Like the unicorns can refer to this as unicornocopia, but if Elias looked on a map, it would not be that it would have some boring ass forest name. That's fine. It, you know, it's like when like people call Spain, Spain, but it's really España. I understand that, but that's, <laughs> but that's what it's really called. Okay. It's the it's the forest of celestial plot hooks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm picturing it kind of like the Amazon or maybe like the Everglades where it's like a surprising amount of water, but like there is still land. It's like approaching swampy, but like uh, Violet spends a lot of time on rafts going down the river, just going here and there patrolling because as guardian of the forest, she's like essentially like a forest cop. Yep. But I mean, in her heart... She yearns for information about the human world. Leon, how did you want to set up this scene? With oh, oh yeah, um, I, I I hadn't thought of it. Um, <laughs> I probably should have thought of this in advance. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, you only had, to be fair, only had like five weeks' notice. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, in my mind, I I would like this to be um like Violet like on her way to meet up with a uh, with Generica, having heard about her location. Oh, okay. So, I mean, I like the image of, like, Violet sitting there reading her encyclopedias, and I guess, I don't know who comes in, like, her parent or an assistant or something, and it's just like, we've been getting reports of a, a dastardly witch in the woods. We need you to go over there and show her unicorn justice. <laughs> Violet says, fuck yeah, um, and puts, <laughs> puts down her uh, her, her books. Um, she She doesn't know who it is, though, so she's just gonna, like, oh, well, this is just another thing I have to do. Uh, yeah, it's this is basically boring to you because you were just ble- you were born and blessed with like ultimate purity and just like sunshine and rainbows and light and you smack down evil doers and it's just like not even a thing and you like yearn for a normal life of humanness, <laughs> dinglehoppers. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm down with that. Yeah, so you're making your way through uh, the woods, through the I guess it's more like a jungle. I think would be the word I'd actually want to use for it. Like you, you go down a raft, you walk out onto a bank, you're looking around in the area the witch is reported, but you're not merely making too much progress. Do you mm-hmm. want to make any checks or anything? Hmm. Oh yeah, I have to do things. D and D is hard. I'm like I I haven't even been in this episode until now, so I'm not even in the roll twenty. So. <laughs> Listeners know there was a 10-minute segment I left in of you discussing your character for season three that I'm not going to allow. So you definitely have been in this episode. Okay, that's fair. Perception? Yeah. I'm, I'm going to roll roll my d20, and you can just tell me what's what. Mm-hmm. How bad is it going to be? Oh, 14, that's solid. It's actually good. 14's fine. 
Uh, Violet looks around and she sees uh, some footprints, kind of small webbed footprints, uh, padding off in a direction down towards like a muddy bank of another river. This is like the jungle of a thousand rivers, basically. Yeah. This is the Minnesota of the Feywild. And yes, I know they're lakes. <laughs> okay. Violet says, hmm, hope I don't run into too many evil witches. Just the one <laughs> would be fine. Just one. I'll just stomp on her a little bit. No big thing. And then she'll run away and say, I'm sorry, unicorn. You know, like they always do. Dum to dum to dum. I, I like unicorn. your fucking external monologue. I am a unicorn. Uh, this, I, I'm actually going to be quiet because I think this is the part where someone else is going to DM for a couple minutes. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> okay. Guess DM. Violet follows the uh, footsteps until... Okay, so you're going to hear a plop, 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 plop behind you. Like something wet, smack it on ground. Okay, Violet turns to see what it is. It is a very small, scaly little little lady. She's a Nixie. And she says, hi! <laughs> Do you want to explain what Nixies are? Yeah, because I, I don't know. Okay, they're like little, uh, like, scaly, webby, like, fish fairy people, kind of. Oh, okay. And they're, tri- they're, like, they're tricksters. They like to... Fish fairies. Play pranks and shit. Would Violet would Violet know, uh, like by looking at uh at Generica that uh, she is a Nixie? That's not Generica. I'm sorry. Then 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 whatever is is that she's looking at? Would would she know that that's a Nixie or she, or is she like, wow, this is new information for me? You have advantage on history checks for fake creatures. I'm gonna say so if you oh. want to roll for it. Okay, that's fair. Right. While you do that, uh, we me and Lauren were looking through the history of D and D for potential monsters. 17. Yeah, 17 information. So I'll tell you, there are like a jillion um, mythological creatures throughout culture and history that D&D has stolen that are essentially the same thing, mm-hmm. like like water spirits, like playful, mischievous water spirits. There's obviously like nymphs and mermaids, and there's one called the Neck, and like the Nixies one that's just in this long line of these kind of dudes. And it's a pretty clear like personification of tragedy as woman. Oh. that patriarchal cultures have just done over time. Like every, every, every culture has one and the Nixie is just one of the many names for it. But yeah, it's like, um, it's almost like a Western version of the Kappa, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Very similar. Okay. Violet says, what up fish? <laughs> Hi, do you want to come play in my swamp with me? Violet immediately forgets about her responsibilities and says, yes, yes, I would. Gosh, nobody ever wants to play in my swamp with me. That's that's suspicious. I usually have to like trick them in there and then and then they stop doing the things they were doing. But <laughs> this is much better. Lead on Scaly. Do I roll to play? Please roll to yeah. play. <laughs> what what would that be? An athletics check? It depends on how you want to play. I want to play in the most athletic way possible. Yeah, it, then you're roughhousing. Okay. I I don't even have my sheet up, so. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. 11. It should be a little higher. It should be 12. Yeah. Well, you have like a plus two or three to strength. So yeah, like a I, I forget what I am at level one, but yeah, I should have like higher strength. So I would say, I, I think I play okay. Mm-hmm. You're playing pretty good. Like you're doing like sweet, like water tricks. Hell yeah. Wet stunts, I think they're called. Wet stunts. Are they? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. 
<laughs> wow, those are some really great wet stunts you're doing there. Violet says, I know what that means. She does not. <laughs> so, so, Unicorn. Mm-hmm. What are you even doing here? What's going on? What's going on, my bro? Gosh, I forget why I'm even here. I think I have to step on a witch. Um, oh! Don't have any more info than that. Oh, are you looking for, for, uh, what's her name? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, I am. Oh, well, I mean, she's kind of... A butt, so you should really, really just stay here and play in my swamp forever. But if you really have to go... Endeavor, endeavor. Then she's gotta be that way. Okay. And she's pointing towards a cave to, like, the east or some shit. I don't know, a direction. Violet says, I do want to play, but it is unicorn law that I go. And then she leaves and says, bye! By the way, what's your name? Because I didn't even ask. Oh! Which was probably rude of me. You can call me Dora. Hi, Dora. I'm Violet Skittles Unicorn. What's a Skittle? Um, <laughs> something about, uh, they taste, they taste good, but the wild berries are the best. Anyway, I gotta go. Okay, bye! Come back and play in my swamp later, please. Oh, I'm totally going to. Yes! <laughs> so you follow a stream that goes out of the swamp and, uh into this cave that you were pointed in the direction of it it very much like peters out by then it's just like a trickle by the time you get to the cave entrance Mm -hmm. and there's kind of a long tunnel before you get to the main body of the cave and as you walk in there are like mobiles or you know those (laughs) those bead curtains that hippies have yes but bones okay Bone, bone beads so decidedly less chill yeah, less chill. Okay. And if this was, you know, a show, you we'd see a, a a shot from the inside of like there's a disgusting, stringy-haired, warty hag stirring a cauldron on the inside. But and then as you burst through the curtain between her and you, and you, <laughs> it cuts to your point of view, and it's just a woman. I love that this is now like a screenplay. We have to give stage directions. Yeah, I'm just trying to give everyone a cool mental image. That's fine. Yeah, but I'm just saying out of character, we know she's like a, a disgusting fey witch, a, okay. a green hag. But you walk in through her like gross decor and you just see like an attractive 20-year-old witch lady stirring a cauldron. Does Violet find her attractive? I'm going to say no. I'm not prepared for this voice, so I'm sorry, <laughs> you everyone. You don't have to do any. You don't have to do any voices. I have to. <laughs> I have to. I'm just going to say I'm done talking for the rest of this episode. <laughs> for the whole thing? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how well you do. Not well. Okay. Okay. Hello, darling. <laughs> All right. So actually, I said she was attractive. Do we want to say she's uh, she's <laughs> Ursula or are we just going to pussyfoot around it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Um, Violet says, hey, um, sorry to bother you. I'm looking for a witch. I think I have to step on her head. Hmm. Well, I don't think you should step on head any heads there. Uh, but oh. I could be classified if you were to ask the right people as a witch. 
but don't step on my head. I can probably help you with something. I like help. What could you help me with? What do you what do you wish, my dear? Violet thinks and then like um like wind chimes happen in her head. <laughs> and then she says, "Well, since you asked, since you know, everyone always wants me to go do things like for them because I'm a unicorn and I have to defend like uh unicornocopia, which is definitely what this place is called." Oh, sure. But what would be really great is if I didn't have to be here anymore and I can go look at the human world in the prime material realm. I don't suppose you could do that for me. That would be super convenient. Oh, oh, I can definitely do that. <laughs> what? Get out of here. <laughs> See, I was expecting Leon to sing, but I just remember that Leon's not going to sing. I'm absolutely not going to. For the, for the listeners, he did agree to, but then he chickened out. <laughs> I don't know if I agreed to. More like we talked about it. But yeah, I, def- I definitely chickened out. That part is true. <laughs> That's absolutely true. I admit that in the past I've been a nasty. They weren't kidding when they called me well, a witch. But you'll find that nowadays I mended all my ways. Repented, seen the light, and made a switch. True? Yes. And I fortunately know a little magic. It's a talent that I always have possessed. And dear Philly, please don't laugh. I used it on behalf of the miserable, the lonely, and depressed. Poor unfortunate foals, in pain, in need. This one. You know, dear, I didn't... I don't really know much about unicorns and what they need in life, so... um, I was gonna sing a whole song, but... All I need from you is something in exchange. It takes a lot of magic to send somebody somewhere else. Yeah. Especially so far away. What do you have for me? Well, I have about 26 milliliters of magic in me. Uh, so you can have some, but I need some left or else, you know. I'm gonna take all of it. Oh gosh, that is that that's more than I expected. Um, I sort of need to keep my horn and everything, right? Well, well, of course, of course. I wouldn't want to part you from your horn. Yeah, I think biologically that's what makes me a unicorn, but I'm not sure. I don't know what what other powers do unicorns have, even. <laughs> um, they have they can cast a bunch of like celestial spells. They can teleport. Oh yeah, and heal and stuff. But that's okay. I won't. I won't need them in the prime material realm. I'm sure everyone will be super cool, and there won't be like drowning water or anything. So. Oh, of course not. Everything's no. really good over there right now. Let me tell you. Sweet. They're having a great time. You're gonna love it. Well, witches are pretty trustful. I. Oh, you can definitely trust me. I've never done anything bad, ever. Wow. Well, I should always trust someone who says they've never done anything bad. So. Yes, I will do the thing. All right, then. I'm just going to rub a bunch of, like, gross witch stuff on her. (laughs) Great. It's really gross. I I believe it. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know how magic works, but I took your powers. (laughs) Let's say there's a lot of lights and fireworks that come out of everywhere. Is is there not, like, a contract with, like, a fishbone pen and you, like... (laughs) 
you suction cup across the ceiling. Yeah, that, that, I don't think that'll be necessary. I feel like it, it's... <laughs> I really want her to, like, take actual suction cups and then just kind of, like, suction cup across the room for no reason. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, my God. All right, so, like, paint me a word picture of this deal. Because you can't shake hands on it, so you rub stuff on her. Yeah. Yes. And she allows she allows her to rub things on, on Violet, and that means it's a deal's a deal. Yeah. It's like when people spit on their hands and shake. Yeah, it's exactly that. It's the witch, swamp witch version of that. All right, is there, like, an activation thing? Is there, like, a gesture or, like, a code word? Or do you just stand there all goopy? Make up a code you... word. Please make up a code word. <laughs> All right, when you say pineapple, (laughs) you will be transported to where you want to be. Okay. Hmm. Gosh, I'll be leaving behind my father, Big John Stud Unicorn. Just do it. And my mother, Butternut Squash Unicorn. Oh, what a what an interesting lineage you have. <laughs> and and my uncle, Reginald Black Exploitation Unicorn. Well, you know those are all poker rap. I don't even know why you're bothering. You need to stop. And let, <laughs> let, let me. This is you're not the DM here, okay? So let, let's do. You should thing. be. Why did you let this happen? Mm. Yeah, you allow this to go down. Um, Violet says, on second thought, pineapple. i don't think that's a second thought there's a a flash of magic and the last thing you see of the feywild before you're transported is generica's glamour drop and you see her like hideous disgusting hag form for just a split second violet's okay with that she 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 doesn't care about you know looks or she definitely does she just has a very different idea of what beauty is (laughs) Which we've established. She just thinks some people are ugly for no discernible reason. Um, where did you get the name Generica? Because it doesn't mean it's it's a joke. <laughs> no, 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 no. Out of character, I know. I'm saying in character. She, you guys never actually. She never introduced herself. Let's just retcon it and say she did. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was gonna say that <laughs> maybe just like whoever told you that said it as a joke, and you just didn't get her real name. That's good too. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm put. I'm putting the cannon hammer down and saying like the person who told you to go hunt the witch said that name as a joke and then you didn't actually ask her name (laughs) so that's why this character has such a stupid fucking name (laughs) i'll accept that (laughs) don't don't get don't get rid of my unicorn jokes though i know no i love the jokes i just wanted to separate them from the the actual things that happen like when you say oh i'm singing chumbawamba like we all laugh but that's not actually happening i feel like it is but okay 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 yeah so the last thing you see of the feywild is that the hag smiling at the really sweet deal she just made and then you see Mm -hmm. blue sky and you fought you're falling (laughs) because elevations are weird (laughs) And uh, she did not particularly care about where she was dropping you. Mm-hmm. And so you fall and you flop down into like some swampy terrain. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Are you familiar with the film The NeverEnding Story? Oh, shit. <laughs> I'm sorry. Am I familiar? Are you, asking, are, are you asking me or are you asking the audience? Listen, Artax. <laughs> All right. Come on. <laughs> We've had this discussion before. You know I know The NeverEnding Story. I know. You're, uh, you're sinking in quicksand, Violet. Okay. Well, I can't die, but let me try to roll for strength anyway. <laughs> or I said quicksand. I mean the, the swamp of despair or whatever. Whatever. What is my plus to strength? Uh, who cares? 
Okay, then it's seven. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Nineteen, bitch. I mean, you still got twelve. So, um, yeah, you you land in some swamp and you're sinking, and you start you start to pull yourself out. You're like pulling yourself onto land, and as you look up, you see uh, two humanoid figures coming towards you. They are gross, pasty, pale, slimy, scaly fishmen with just a million teeth, more teeth than a head should have in it, each like filed to a syringe point, and they're carrying um, just like spears with uh, claws at the end. Mm-hmm. They're not like spears with a point, but they have like like a talon claw at the end, and they're both like running towards you, like gibbering in some insane fish language. <sighs> and here they come. Okay. Um, I can't kill them because we've established that Violet has not killed anyone yet. I don't think you could kill them anyway. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna say she runs. She's she's faster than anyone, so like mm-hmm. I'm comfortable running from this at this point. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, they're coming towards you. They just have like pure madness in their eyes, and you're like, I'm out. Yep. Uh, peace pretty out. Pretty much. So you didn't actually do any research into where the Feywild overlaps with the Prime Material Plane, and um, you you won't know for a while, but you, you have landed in the Cascades. Oops. <laughs> which is the mirror of Unicornicopia. Uh, so you are pursued through a swamp by Kuatoa for some time. So I'm just jabbering in totally unintelligible madness. Mm-hmm. You're, you eventually find yourself huddling and <laughs> terrified uh, behind some like muddy stumps or something. And you feel them closing in around you. And you're like, well, this is a really big fucking disaster I did. Is it a fine kettle of fish? Mm-hmm. Holy shit, it is. But as as they close in on you, there's suddenly a loud explosion sound. Um, just a, like a peal of thunder so loud it like deafens you. And fish people go flying in every direction. <laughs> From uh, the dust and smoke of that explosion comes your savior, a frogman <laughs> wearing a wizard robe. And he basically uses his staff to fight off the fish he's using all kinds of cool magic he shoots some magic missiles he shoots some lightning he shoots some fire and eventually he drives them off thanks frogman from for saving me from the fishman i trust you implicitly now <laughs> because that's how the witch taught you it works yes <laughs> he croaks at you uh but you do not understand him um do you speak... All right, Violet goes through all of her languages, common, celestial, elvish, and sylvan, and uh, mm-hmm. probably learns that, okay, this dude doesn't speak any of those. Violet doesn't understand, so she assumes that she, he's just a dummy. <laughs> <laughs> like, those are, those are, like, all the languages that people... that she's familiar with anyone, like, speaking. So she's like, oh, well, you're, you're, you're just, like, a frog. <laughs> so Violet says... Okay, well, I guess this interaction is over. So, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go search for humans now. First of all, uh, after you try all your languages, he like tr- goes. To, it looks like he's trying to cast a spell. Like he raises his staff and shakes it, and nothing comes out. Mm-hmm. And he like shakes it angrily, and he like realizes he's out of spell slots because <laughs> he used them to save you, so he mm-hmm. can't cast tongues. Yep. And he croaks at you some more, and you're like, "Well, I guess I'm done now." And then you go to leave. You try to walk away. Mm-hmm. As you go to walk away, he runs around to the front of you and holds his hands up. What? What frog? <laughs> he he points in the di- in another direction from the one you were walking, and then like waves for you to follow him. 
fine. I mean, yeah, okay. I mean, that way is just as good as any other way, I suppose, since I have no, you know, bearing on where I am. So, okay, (laughs) Frogman, let's go. He leads you off into the Cascades for parts unknown, and I'm sure that works out perfectly. And he's a perfectly nice gentleman to you, and you guys never have any disagreements or violence between you. Great. How does that sound? (laughs) It's tight. That sounds like a good adventure for you? Yeah. Uh, No, but he takes you behind some trees and knocks you out. (laughs) (laughs) I guess. I, I think he just uses the spell sleep, which is a level one spell. So it's not even a bit. I think he ran out of like whatever. Tongues is like a level three. So he didn't have any three level slots. He uses one. Uh, so like he gets you back to like a, one of the cat, one of the titular cascades, which is like a waterfall that goes underground. And it is like you don't want to go with him. So he just casts sleep on you and you collapse at his feet. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he drags you off. All right. And that's how we got here. Wow, guys. That that explains so much. It was fun. <laughs> and then back in the present day, uh, as you guys are about to depart the Violet One for the Tiger Mountains, Elias is exasperatingly trying to explain the difference between trance and sleep to you guys. Mm-hmm. He's just like, I didn't sleep through the fight. I was trancing. I had a hard night of magic practice. And Vinny's like, yeah, a hard night. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's okay. I understand. I know what you're saying, Elias. Like, I know. It, it I seems know. like you don't know, <laughs> know what I'm saying. It seems like you're just... I know. It seems like you're implying something for unspoken, invisible entities to perhaps exploit hey. for their own entertainment. But I know. But I know. <laughs> and then she wiggles her eyebrows. Oh, like Just like ex- a lot, like excessively. All right, Violet, you pull the ship up to the mountains, and it's time to disembark. Yep. Remix both for our theme song, Thunderstruck, an arrangement of Windmill Hut from The Legend of Zelda, and Dream Eater Mix, an arrangement of Lavender Town from Pokemon. Executive producers for the month of August 2016 are Joseph Tombrello, Kirsten Haslinger, Ingmar Gremmen, Jade, The Cult of Gorfanax, Extellaris, King Waza, Allison Ansel, Luke Powers, Tarka, Michael Goodell, Wayne Witzke, Brent, Neil, Trenton, Melanie Joe, Lana Seawolf, Toby Gleason Stack, Silken Guns, Matthew Weber, Emmanuel Garcia, Sarah Hanley, Melissa Booker, Keith Snyder, Cameron Abbas, Ariel Badger Release, Zenith Will Rule, Exley, Gary Zayon, Dash on the Rage Monster, Carl, Harrison Andrew, Paul Mullen, Jorit, Viger Arnston, Anna Stolfar, Dylan, Giorgio Renna, Christopher Charlo, Cody Jackson, August Rue, Mirren Bati, and Taylor Hoyt. You can support the show directly by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash austinyorski. You can support Leon 
by going to patreon.com slash renegadecut or subscribing to his YouTube channel. And you can support Lauren directly by visiting her Etsy shop, to which you can find a link in her Twitter profile. If you want to help indirectly, you could always like, comment, subscribe, or review us wherever you found the show, or just tell a friend.